Welcome to episode three of User Guide to Humans. And in this episode, we're going to reveal the life map that is a mirror of your soul so you can understand where the six personas out of 10, what the different placements on the map mean and how different it is when you have a persona in position one or position five or position three. So we're going into the life mapping process in detail. Some of you have already done the quiz and you would have come up with results of six different personas that make up who you are. Uh, This language is complex and each persona has a place in a map which will enable you to draw conclusions and make connections based on the map locations. So we are going to talk in brief about each location today and what they mean. So I'd like to welcome back Katie Eden Todd and I would like you to please introduce persona number one okay thank you erica so yeah the map's very very important this is a massive leap forward in this work so it's one thing to know your personas so that's answering the question who am i but what's my life about where am i going how do i navigate life what's my purpose this is where we need a map we want a compass don't we so when you've got a compass It's like this map is a compass to your soul and to your life of the path for you to take. None of us should be following another person's life path. Yet don't we all at times, Erica, where we think I should follow that route and I should do that. And yet our paths are actually quite individual and the map names this. So what's number one? Well, number one is your soul's purpose. It's naming that persona there, what that persona is all about, that's the mo- the strongest influence in your whole psyche. It is what you were born to contribute. It is your greatest gifts, your absolute natural genius. You all actually have natural genius. I can hear some people think, I don't have a genius. You know, some personas will think that, but you actually do. It's your greatest array of gifts and talents, character strengths to give. It's also where your biggest lessons are to navigate as well, of course, the shadow side. And your number one persona affects every other persona over the over the top. So we have six out of 10, four personas we're very reactive to, and they're the ones we don't have. But our number one, it's our, it's our north on our compass. That's the direction our lives, we were born to take this direction in life, to follow the interests. There's lots of topics within the personas that they're naturally interested in. So a path in our life that is about any of the things, say you have a swan, anything that's within swan, if your life's directed in that direction, you you are in alignment, you are flowing, you're on the right path. So to find out that maybe in my world, my life has been aligned to a persona and it's not my number one, Mm -hmm. this, I don't know if I'm allowed to go to this place, but I'm going to. (laughs) Most people are not aligned in their lives to their number one persona. What their soul longed to make their life all about, it didn't happen that we didn't, it wasn't seen and understood as we were growing up. We didn't validate it. Others didn't validate it. And so we've often made our life about a different persona, usually number two in our lives. And yet that will lead to a sense of discontent, um, being an emptiness, 
um, a, even a sense of soul sickness. Depression is often about, or well, it's always about, I'm playing a role in life that I don't isn't right for me. It's my soul trying to give a knock on the door and go, no, 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 this isn't your path. It takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, Erica, to switch your life, to get it to your individual unique map compass. It's like it's a soul map. And this is your compass. This is your due north. This is your sun. If your life is connected to number one, this is what gives your soul nourishment and warmth and you just feel alive and you're energised and you'll always be interested in your number one. It'll always excite you. You'll always feel really um, delighted to be in that realm. When you're not on that, if your life is on the wrong persona, it's like I'm standing under the moon. It's not particularly warm. My soul is starving. It feels cold. Others may get really excited about that. That works for them. Maybe in my family, that's thought of as being the good way to live life. It's not my way to live life. I actually have to have my life about this. So mm. that's really helpful to know number one. And how do we find our number ones? So once, once you have an idea of which personas um, are strong in your map, you then have to go through the work of sorting them out. Which one is my number one? And there is a whole separate course on how to do this, which yes. we highly recommend doing. Um, but just in brief, personally, identifying number one for me was extremely hard because I had another persona in mind that I wanted to be. And I held on to that for six months in doing this work. And it wasn't until you challenged me with my greatest fear and you said what is your greatest fear is it this or is it this what would destabilize your life the most if that happened and I had absolutely no choice but to acknowledge that my main persona was was something else it was something I didn't want it was it was something I've been battling against my whole life because I didn't I had a I had an idea about what this persona was like in child and I wanted nothing to do with it there we are that is so common, Erica. That is great to share that. So you look at number one, and we've got resources out there for you to be able to go into more deeply. You, you'll probably have two, maybe three that you think the, any of these could be my number one. But it's the thing that engages you the most. You'll also say, yes, my deepest fears are this, but where do I go in child in a way when we're, ambushed in life and something difficult comes along like we talked about in episode two we were caught by surprise what's going to be your first reaction which child reaction see an adult responds and the elder understands and observes but the child reacts in a default autopilot way without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. so you could ask yourself looking at the shadow of a persona if i'm challenged or rejected or someone something negative awful happens to me where do I go and how would I view it what would be the perspective for how would I think about it and you look at well what would this persona do would you do this or would you do that oh no I do that like that is really really helpful and if you're brave enough ask your best friend ask your partner or ask your mum just get a little bit of feedback because we do struggle to see ourselves sometimes and I'm just gonna um I'm just gonna add in here that in doing the persona work, it is so tempting to go, oh, this person is such and such and such. And you tell them, you go, did you realize that you're a, you're a total swan? You should, you should read up. You've got some serious work to do on yourself. <laughs> can, I just, can I just pop in here that this work is 
all about doing your own work. By all means, share this work, share the quiz, but just keep in mind that we love seeing other people's faults. We love analyzing other people's weaknesses and, and acknowledging when they're very good, especially if they're better than us at things. But this work is all about integrating into yourself, into seeing into your own soul. So try very hard not to think about, oh, I'm this way because they're that. You know, you you need to own this. Your number one persona, it, it rules your life. life. It rules your life. It does. And you have to acknowledge it and see it. Do not pretend like you're something you're not even, you know, give yourself some grace if you if you're confused and if you're not quite sure. But by all means, keep an open mind, because once once you see it, you that persona will be with you for your whole life. It will sit in your heart and you will rely on that persona and love it deeply. So make space for it. And every crossroad you reach, you will say is this in alignment with my number one? Mm. And if, it's, if you've been given an opportunity, would you like to do this work? Would you like this promotion? Would you like to do this? And if it's got nothing to do with your number one, you know to say, thank you very much, but no thanks. Mm. Or that if you're so helpful. And if you're offered an opportunity where, where the risk is the greatest fear of your number one persona, is it worthwhile? Could it, could it affect you or add so much stress to your life that it's no longer a, a worthy course? Then yeah say thank you but no thank you this isn't going to or this is what my number one's all about and I am terrified but I'm also excited but now that I know that it's my number one this is exactly the path I have to go on to because I think when we're aligned on our path we have to do the things that daunt and excite us if you're not daunted you're not growing Mm -hmm. so you've got to be out of your comfort zone can I just say as a little relationship tip don't ever go to someone you're so in child at the moment (laughs) (laughs) and you know what you're a beaver and you're pretty you know you're this and you're that like people do not please don't do this because they'll never come near this language because they won't like having uh, the labels thrown at them and they'll say I'm not a label how do you think you know what I am these are not just labels and I don't want the work to be diminished in that way or used as a weapon to put someone else down and to feel like I'm superior because I know this about you and you don't know yet. You've just alienated them and, and blocked any opportunity for there being a dialogue where perhaps with your partner it would be great to say, I was reading about this and a beaver has these qualities and yet they get stuck in that and the partner might go, yeah, I'll probably do do that. So suddenly we've got a bridge. We don't want to use it as dart practice to be able to tell someone they're in child no one appreciates that. And in child, by the way, you can't rationalise with anyone when they're in child. It, they are irrational because they're under five. Mm-hmm. And so they're just going to be defensive or aggressive and you actually are digging them deeper into child and making it harder and harder to reach the real them. We just don't engage in that way. So we don't want to use this as a labelling thing. Oh, you're such a nightingale. You're crashing again. Or oh, what a sparrow. I mean... And then people feel put down and it's definitely not to be used in that way, though you'll think it. This language is powerful. You you will learn so much about people. You will be able to see things about people that they might not know about themselves. It gives you an immense responsibility to use knowledge wisely because you can can harm people very easily. Very easily. And um, so see it for yourself. I'm excited that I'm discovering this. It's really interesting. And I'm finding out I've got this and I've got that. And when you own your own shadow, mm-hmm. I'm realizing you say to your partner, 
my God, I do this, don't I? That must be really hard. They go, yeah, you do. Really glad to see that you can name it and you're owning it. They might use, not use that language, but if that's the way to engage because it, it, it is so helpful if you have both people in a relationship being able to recognise their shadow bits because they're not going to inflict them on each other, but you don't use it as a weapon. Thank you for saying that. I have a car analogy that I like that Erica doesn't, but I wrote it, so I'm saying it. Um, I also think a great way of understanding the map is the car analogy, where the number one is your headlights. Like, where am I supposed to be heading? Where's the light for me? What's the light for me? You know, beaver's not my light. I don't want to be a number one beaver and I don't want to be a number one whatever, swan, sparrow. What's my light? That's that's what we're talking about. This is this is your direction. And you can have confidence in that when you know it. It's like, no, I know who I am. So I know that that's not me. It just makes your decision-making so much easier, Erica. Mm. Mm. Okay. We need to move on to persona number two. We've covered quite a lot, I think, um, of number one. Yeah. Number two. So that's your second strongest persona often. It's the one that sits right underneath number one. That's right. it's our doing style it's the way we go about life how we operate you know move our way through life if you like it's how we drive the car so you know there's totally different styles of driving your way through school through your career through your work a lot of people mistaken that they're they are their number two Mm -hmm. and have spent a lot of years their life being about that that's because our world has valued work so much that we become that but that's not really our soul's north it is not really our greatest source of sunlight it's the how to get to number one it's the how do we get there so it's our style of working it's our style of anger it's how we behave when we're stressed it's how we behave with money it's how patient or impatient we are it's how ambitious we are is all in number two it's a doing side of our being we've all got masculine feminine within it's very masculine it's you may have a very feminine persona in the masculine side there's a challenge they've all got challenges these different parts our number two is very much colored and shaped though influenced by our number one mm-hmm. so if you have as you know people who've got the same number two of you but you've got a different number one it changes the expression of number two this is how we can be so unique number one colors flavors all the rest of the personas in our map. So it's really our how to get to that place, our destination, our purpose. I think it's a good way of looking at it. Yep, I, I get that. Absolutely. So number three then. Yeah. Number three. number three is relationships, our relationship style and the way that we want to connect with people and how we connect with people, what we're looking for in connecting with people. So your number three the values and the light side of number three, this is what you want to share with someone. This is the way, you know, when you meet someone and it's just you, you connect like that. And the style of how much intimacy, how much do you want to disclose? How private are you? How much do you naturally share? How affectionate are you? What sort of terminology do you use? How close do you like to be with people, be it from codependent to chronically independent where you can't let people in at all? Like where are you on that spectrum? of codependency and independence there that's interesting that's in our relationship style it's not just with your partners it's your natural relationship style with your kids with your friends with your work colleagues whatever and you can have there are opposing personas in this language of the 10 there are some that just can't stand each other isn't that a shock 
not really. Uh, and there are some that get on really, really well. And even though you might be with people who don't have that persona, there's another one that has a bit of it. So that's the bridge that you find to be together. So it's your style of relating, your style of intimacy, your style of interconnectedness, and, and what would make your heart sing in that we're able to get to this place together in how we relate. And so there's the work in relationships where we're with people who don't share that. So how do we have a very close, connected, loving relationship where we're different? It is very valuable to know this, Erica, because we can let our partners be who they are and not try and change them to fit our number three, which we all do unconsciously. We'd like to change them. Look, they're great. But if I just get them to like this more and be interested in this more and do this more with me and think this way like I do, then that'll be just perfect. But they can't because they've got a different persona. Yeah, when you think about things like the love languages, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of, there's 10, there's 10 persona love languages. Here we are. There's different ways that we love people and we want to be loved in return. And I think once, you, once you've done your own work, if your partner or if a friend does this work as well, the, the level of intimacy and communication you can reach in using this language between each other, it melts barriers oh. that have been there for decades. I think in relationships, being able to communicate with someone else who understands this language, you you can access a level of intimacy with your with your parents, with your friends, with your loved ones that is so so beautiful and so opening where you you can share this language, share the ways in which you want to be loved using the map using your personas and for someone else to respond and say oh I see how this could have gotten in the way because my persona wouldn't have liked that or or you always seem so resistant to this and then you can in in communicating about this you you can melt barriers that have been there for decades this work is absolutely transformational when it comes to relationships and there is a course as well that will be um, available later on this year called cellmates to soulmates now, this is work that you do on yourself. It's a course that you do. But once um, once you start connecting with other people who've done this course, it's absolutely life-changing. It is. You know, in relationships, we take an enormous amount that doesn't work personally. And the child always takes conflict personally as a rejection, as a another little nail in the coffin about how I'm unlovable and how I don't like that person and I'm having difficulty with that person. And, again, it can happen with parenting as well, but I've had such brilliant conversations with my adult children who are different to me and they understand how I'm wired now. My husband understands how I'm wired now and I understand how they're wired and we go, oh, yeah, before we would have kept hitting this brick wall and we take it personally and so we step back from intimacy and we go into conflict and we want to make the other person wrong because the child wants to always be right and to justify where they're coming from. And it's quite petulant and stubborn. All of our child is and I'm right or wherever we go to with our particular personas. Whereas once you know that this was my persona reacting to your persona and they always react like this and there was nothing personal in it whatsoever, we were just hitting those walls of miscommunication where one value set was being spoken to another value set 
trying to change the other so that we felt close and we felt connected. We can let the other person be. I know that that's really important to you. I couldn't give a fuck about it. I know that matters to you and because I love you, I'm going to support you 100% in that. And then they know that this is really important to, mm. to me or to us and they go, that I'm not interested. I don't know anything about that. But I get that I will support you in making that a priority. So much conflict goes when you realise it's not personal and you start understanding. And, and then we also learn how to be far more loving to each other. It re in relationships and parenting, it is absolutely life-changing, Erica. Okay, so let's move on to persona number four. And we've, we've now dipped below an invisible line, which... Yes we can call it our, our secret identities, we can call it the unconscious, we can call it, you don't really know me. When we say to people who we know, who have pissed us off, and we go, you don't even know who I am. We're literally <laughs> referring to the personas in yes. our five and six. Is that right? It's so interesting. So the top three personas are pretty obvious to people. Like you will pick other people's top three personas pretty easily. As our children grow, we start to see more and more of them. The top three we get. Second three, number four, five, and six are really important. We don't have all of these personas. We have aspects of them. So we have the most of number one. We have a lot of number two, quite a bit of number three, parts of number four, just a bit of number five, and only a little bit of number six, but they're all important. So you see there's a scale there. So number four, our secret identity. So people are surprised by this. Your number four, though, is part of your core being. It is part of your identity. And it's meant to be married to your number one. I haven't put it like that. Often they're divorced. It's a shame. They actually have to learn how to coexist and be married and live in harmony together. And they can be pulling in different directions. You can have opposite personas in your core. So the core is like the most central part of your being. So the secret identity, every now and then you're going to come out and speak number four to people. You're going to speak about those values, how that really matters to you, and you think this, and people go, "You? I'm surprised at that. I didn't, I didn't know you thought that, or you were like that." And it's under the radar; it's unconscious, and uh, yet it is core to us. And we can feel quite hurt, Erica. What do you mean you didn't know this is about me? Because it feels that important to us, and. It's a very important part of how we go forward in life. Number four, because we're not seeing it either, can be a real anchor that sabotages our life. Our number one's going, I want to go ahead here. And number four, we don't even know this is happening, is going, oh, that's risky. We could have this deepest fear happen or this rejection happen. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Oh, I don't think we're ready for this. And so it puts down the anchor and goes, we're not moving. And number one, two, and three are straining. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And number four is going, we're not going anywhere. And so we do a little bit of work on ourselves and we have a look and go, what the fuck's going on? Why can't I get there? I keep getting stuck at the same place. It's like I progress in life to this point and I can't go. And it's number four won't move. Mm -hmm. And I have to keep reminding myself what's going on here. I need to get my number four working in harmony with my number one. And when number four drops anchor, Nothing happens. There's a lot of power there. Would you agree with that, Erica? 100% agree. Whenever I, I find myself really locked up, really stressed and anxious and just about to descend into child, I, I know where I'll find my anchor. And But on the opposite side of that coin, number four is where 
I find a lot of release. I find a lot of healing. When when my top three personas are busy and we're doing stuff and we're very active and we've set big goals, I have a I have a pretty powerful set of top three personas that are all about doing and, and achieving. And my number four persona is the one that will take me for a walk in the mountains. It'll it's the one that will make me breathe deeply in the shower. It's the one that will reset my whole map back to you know back to green it's the one that it's the one that can free me and it's the one that can anchor me equal measures there we go it's it's a real source of self-nurturance isn't it it's really got to be valued and incorporated otherwise we will never get where we hope to we'll never whatever that might look like whatever it is that we're our number one is trying to go to with number two and three helping on the on the path forward we'll never get there unless number four is is coming along so we've got to nurture number four and it adds a dimension to our number one that makes it richer and far better in what it can do and without it we just never get there so number four is really important and we have secret gifts that it brings to the equation or anchors and if you don't know it because it's not the obvious part of our personality. It takes a while to find four, five, and six we've found for people. And a lot of people live in one and two their whole lives, maybe a bit of three, but they just never develop their four, five, or six. And so in older age, there's a sense of emptiness. There's a sense of I've missed out. And at our second half of our life, we really need to bring our four, five, six to the table. And then we're starting to be a very rich, full, whole human being. Mm-hmm. And like, like I mentioned earlier, this we've, we've designed a whole course, a whole mapping course yes. will take you through finding the right location for your personas. It is the most rewarding bit of self-reflection I have ever done in my life. Once my map was finished, it was, you know, it was like, you know, that scene in Tomb Raider where all the pieces of the puzzle fit together and then the bright light shines. You, you feel like you feel like you've come home. And all of a sudden you feel like you can you can refer to that map that at that map will now be with you for the rest of your life. And I mean, four might be, you know, sitting beneath this invisible line and it might not be, you know, obvious to other people, but four is strong. Four yeah. is very strong. It's strong in me. And and I I mean I feel that my five and six are strong as well, but it was hard to identify. So if if you're not sure, I'd recommend going and doing the mapping course or speaking to one of our persona archetype coaches or mentors. Yeah. Um, but There's let's two layers. To- Can I just say there, Erica, there's two layers. There's a sort of a, an introductory go through your mapping and then there's a more complex one where a uh, course online that we're offering. And I actually talk about every 10 persona in every position and describe exactly what they're like. And the trouble that they will have and the gifts that they have in every, that took me quite some time. So that's a more advanced one, but there's a more, a gentler one. And then you sit with it. I was just working with someone the other day and we found, got their map right. And the coming home experience, there was real elation that I see with people always. It's like, I I can't tell you how, that's the best I've ever felt in my life because I know it's right and it's never going to change. This is me. When you're finding your map, you can find that personas move in different places until we get them in. It's like we need to lock it in, Eddie. It's like we find that place. And when we do, we can get some wrong turns. But finding out that, no, it's not there, it's here, these are really breakthrough moments. And when they get into the right place, there's a feeling inside. And it also sets that persona archetype free in you 
to shine as they were always destined to. But if they're in the wrong place, they don't. It doesn't work. Agreed. Okay. Number five. I love number five. I love number five. We've only got a bit of it. So you may find you're reactive to some aspects of this persona, the parts that you don't have, but this is uh, your secret dream. It's like that long-held daydream that you have about, I'd love my life. I'd love to end up here in my life. I really, it's what I'm working towards. Mm. I'd really love this lifestyle. It connects, you know, with money and doing and work. It's the great thing about the secret dream is a lot of people, if we're looking at the um, car analogy, it's like it's in the boot. I haven't done the car analogy for the others. We've got the driving for number two. Number three is the passenger seat. Who do you want to hang out with? How do you hang out with people? Number four is in the back seat. It's a back seat driver, but you've got to be in harmony. But number five can be in the boot. It can be very neglected because we only have a bit of it. And so we can minimise how important it is, Erica, this aspect of our soul our personality, we can minimise this and say it doesn't really matter because I've got all these other things that I'm busy with and working on. But number five energises us. It motivates us because it's saying, here's the dream. What do you, I, I would ask everyone, what do you daydream about? Like when you're older, what's the lifestyle? Where do you want to be in your life? This is number five. Mm-hmm. And it's really vital and it can help us through difficult times. We engage number five. It's connected to number one in helping us get there. It adds another light to number one about what it's about. It's a a part of our style of of how we're going to contribute. It's really important. It's a gift that we have Mm -hmm. to add to our number one, which makes the contribution we're going to offer in the world. It it, it adds this special flavour to it. Mm. Yeah. And then the same on the other side of the coin, it also adds... A layer of shadow of which we'll only have a little bit of that persona's shadow but we'll have something that will take off course mm-hmm. so the number five in shadow it could take us off course to um things that will not actually work for us they're not about our number one and i've done this i've tried to make my number five my number one because that dream was so strong in me exactly and i've i've tried to live tonight my number five as well just in bits but it was disastrous every time it that's just not its purpose that's not its role that's why we say knowing where the personas are in your soul map is Mm. really important because they play different roles so it it's part of the dream and it's a talent to bring to number one, but it is not meant to be the focus. I agree. Okay, persona number six. Interesting, number six. You've only got a small bit of this, so you might have a bit of a love-hate relationship with your number six. You might not know it well. It could take a long time to find it. However, it's the foundation of your life because this is our secret strength at home. If you like, it's the street we live on with the car analogy. In the light of this persona, this is what we what will nurture us, what will parent us, what will make us feel that we can build the rest of our life on from this place. We actually have to acknowledge number six and make sure that is part of our home life, what we give to ourselves in parenting ourselves. It's also a lot about how we'll parent literal children, but parenting ourselves, it's what we need and how we operate at home. And so what your number six is about is very important. And if it's negated, 
it's like a stack of cards. It's a building block for all the other personas and it has a very direct link to how we go out into the world. If we don't nurture and parent ourselves well from this, if we go into the shadow of number six, it's like you're weakened, seriously compromised before you even go forward and you don't even know why. But we do neglect ourselves. Wouldn't you agree, Erica? We don't really know. Well, that might nurture you, but that doesn't nurture me. That might be important to you, but that's not important to me. So I need to do my number six well, and then everything else can work. But when I do it badly, oh, my God, does it make life difficult? Well, it's home. It's where we are. It's where we rest. It's where we need to be in harmony and in peace. And it's where we recover from, you know, the busyness of our lives. Being, isn't it? It's a part of being. And you might have a doing persona Mm -hmm. in a being place. So you're pretty useless. I speak for myself here. Mm -hmm. No idea about being and yet we've got to learn how to do that you've got to with getting number six in the light being and self-parenting and it is so important because this is where we need to have some space and time to be able to hear from our soul of what's going on be able to reflect on the interactions we had during the day where I might have overstepped the mark I've said the wrong thing I'm pushing myself too hard where the child's starting to go and we want to catch it early so we don't have a full-blown explosion a week later because we've ignored. It's how well we can give ourselves space to tune into how we're really doing. So I think this is a, a fabulous introduction to persona mapping. It gives it gives our listeners now an idea that you're not just one persona, you're six, and the positions matter. And the complexities that can now be added on to this in terms of doing the work they're infinite and there's a lot of resources for everyone to work through to whatever extent they're willing to to dig or or to start. Um, The next episode, we are going to introduce the 10 personas, um, the three animals and the seven birds, and we're going to briefly discuss them. You'll find descriptions of them on the website as well, but um, I'm looking forward to hearing Katie introduce them all as she uh, wrote this language. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, It was a pleasure as always, and I look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you, Erica. It's been a lot of fun.